Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome to the B2B playbook. It's a special, special Valentine's episode. Well, it's not really, is it, Kevin? It just happens to be recorded on Valentine's Day. It's going to be recorded, or sorry, released a week later next Monday, where um, most people will be thinking, what a big old waste of time that was. Or, (laughs) or, Or they'll be thinking, you know what? The sting of the set menu at the restaurant and paying like 50% more than you normally would and getting terrible value and sitting in a room full of couples trying to show how much better they are than other couples is not that bad anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, George, I hear you have some very interesting plans later tonight where you're making your partner cook for you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, it is boy, 2022, Kevin. Boy. 2022, we can't have a stereotypical gender roles. Uh, we've got to mix it up. It's very important to keep everyone progressing, that we just can't keep gender roles the same. What How is mean? it mixing it up if she's cooking <laughs> for you? <laughs> because normally 20 sorry because normally valentine's day is the one time a year that a male will cook for his partner <laughs> all right George. but but kevin kevin i don't know about that <laughs> i no 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 look you and i are a little different we're modern men i think of our dates so far i've cooked i reckon eight out of ten times so far and so she oh, said look i want to do the cooking this time I am still, 
I am still making <laughs> dessert, by the way. I'm doing dessert. And oh, you're doing um, something. You're doing yeah, something. Well, <laughs> I'm doing something. <laughs> I'm going to actually finish it off after this. And I'm deeply regretting already what I've chosen to make. <laughs> what are you making, George? Well, uh, you know, little batchy chocolates. <clears throat> They're like yes. hazelnut little chocolates. And wow. I, like I'm doing them, but I've just realized that they're going to look terrible because I don't have <laughs> the millions of dollars invested in the machinery that the batchy factory yes. has to make them look good. And then they're also just not going to taste as good as batchy chocolates. <laughs> and I think that it was just such a mistake is like going for a branded chocolate. And by the way, I mean, here we go. We're tying it into marketing now. Batchy has really owned like that form of hazelnut chocolate, haven't they? Like it's a batchy chocolate and I'm not going to meet that level of batchy chocolate. So it's going to fall short and it's going to be a real letdown. A real well, letdown, best of luck. Best of luck explaining that one tonight, George. And I know you have time pressures, so we'll try and get you out of here in plenty of good time to make your Valentine's engagement. Plenty of time for the listeners. The listeners come first. <laughs> listeners come. <laughs> well, you heard of listeners. Even on Valentine's Day, George is prioritizing our listeners. So, lucky <laughs> yeah. you are. Well, in the interest of time, let's kick into it. Last week, we were talking about, in fact, the last two episodes, we've been covering everything from what you need to position your content with your audience and making sure that it's something that they actually pay attention to and listen to. We covered how to do that using your editorial mission, which is who you're going to be servicing with your content and how you're going to go about doing that. We've covered your content tilt, which is the unique angle that your content will hold and why people will listen. And that's how you get that cut through with your content. And we gave you three ways to tilt. And last episode, we also gave you a framework on figuring out the best formats and platforms for distributing your content. And today, we're talking about how to then create and distribute your content at scale. So last week we talked about creating that pillar piece of content and picking the format of that first piece of content and how to distribute it. Now we're talking about how to scale up that content production so that basically you're not spending all your free time or all your working time creating content. I'm so excited to talk about this today, Kev, because before we really put this seven-step framework together for repurposing content, I was just on that content treadmill and you and I were both. It was so hard to keep up with like, you know, the increasing demand for content, trying to be helpful with our content. Sometimes it was just so difficult and I just found myself like sitting down with like that open box on LinkedIn or sitting down with that open box like on a Word doc being like, what am I going to write about? Since then, we've really come up with a system of streamlining that whole process. So it begins with one central piece of content, one central piece of message, and then it's repurposed a bunch of ways. So we're getting as much out of it as possible. And we're putting a framework around that so that that's a process that's easy to get you started, easy for you to start that process of scaling up your content and what some people call content stacking, I guess, but we're putting a more concrete framework around how to approach that so that you're not having to figure out a lot of that stuff from scratch yourself. So George, maybe I'll hand it over to you to go through a little bit of what essentially you go through in a given week to do our content stack. 
Yeah, I think I'll just take people through the output so they realize what they can get from this framework first. So Kev, I've been getting quite a lot of messages from people that I interact with on LinkedIn saying like, wow, you're putting out so much content at the moment. Like, how are you doing it? The reality is it's taking me about five hours a week to do it, including the recording time here for this podcast. That sounds like a fairly efficient way to do it already, but it's it's still a lot of work. But at the same time, for maybe some of our listeners, you know, that is really efficient for us already. You know, when we, when we first started this process, it was much, much longer. Yeah, let me take you through what we get out of those five hours. So we get a 40-minute podcast. We get eight LinkedIn videos, 12 LinkedIn text posts, an article, and then an endless number of things to talk about on calls, on meetings, whatever it is. I mostly do that five hours. Uh, Kev does the editing of the podcast. And I know Kev, you polish it that up, that up really nicely. And that takes you a couple hours as well. That is something that I guess our listeners could outsource or they don't even really need to edit it to begin with. I mean, that's just something that we do, but there's so many great podcasts out there that don't bother editing at all. We just have too many ums and ahs in there, George. We can't <laughs> yeah, that's right. our listeners to <laughs> the endless torrents of our streams of consciousness. Well, well, yeah. You know what? The other podcasts do have that out there too. They keep them in and I don't think anyone seems to mind. I think you and I are just really harsh on ourselves. But again, we have said this, our podcast we feel is a little different to others. We see it as an evergreen framework that we're releasing and we want people to keep going back and listening to this episode by episode. So we want people to listen to season one when we're in season 10 still. So we want to put that polish on, on the podcast. But there's absolutely no need for the listeners to do that, particularly when they're starting out. Now, Kev, before we dig into how to create content like that at scale, I think it's important for us to talk with our listeners about frequency of content and why that's, in so, why that's so important. I know you have a pretty interesting view on this. Would you mind sharing that? Sure. I think it's something we've discussed on and off as we started creating content, really particularly in B2B marketing, it's about staying top of mind. It's about building those relationships at scale. But a lot of that comes down to staying front of mind with helpful educational content, that being basically one of the best ways to be front of mind and, and having that presence of mind at the front of your targeted audience. And the more frequent your helpful content is, the more likely that your dream customers are going to have a chance to see it, get value from it, and then engage with it. And then start that whole process again. So they again see it, get value from it and engage with it. And the more you do that, the more you stay top of mind, the more likely it is that they'll come to you when they're actually ready to buy your products or services. So that's the really key point to frequency and consistency, isn't it, Kev, is it actually gives them an opportunity to engage with you. You give them so many chances to engage with you because the more mm. you stay top of mind, the more you see you, the more likely they are to end up engaging with you. You and I have seen that firsthand. I see it all the time on LinkedIn. You know, As we're consistent, we're getting more and more engagement every time. And why that engagement is so important is people tell you what they like. People tell you what they don't like. They tell you what else that post, your video should have included. And then we just take that and we put it into what we're doing next. So we have this continuous feedback cycle, which is so important to put back into your content. I think there are two key components there, George, that we've emphasized. One is that frequency to get top of mind. But the other part, which was highlighted well when we talked about Winston with a Y the other week, 
is that to stay front of mind, you really should be using helpful educational content and being helpful rather than being annoying. Most advertising you see out there, it gets to the point where it's fun to begin with and then it quickly gets very annoying because they've got the frequency down pat, but the content isn't deep enough, isn't valuable enough. So that's why it's important to be helpful with your content and also be frequent with your content. All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. And really content repurposing, I think, is the only way that really any team, small, large, can get that frequency and consistency easily, you know, unless you're spending your whole time doing content production. And I think there's so many benefits that go beyond hitting that consistency and frequency, which are key, Kev, when it comes to content repurposing. And I just want to run through a couple of those really key benefits too, before we dig in and show the listeners what our content repurposing framework is. Now, content repurposing, or as some refer to it, content stacking, that's when you commit to creating one long form pillar piece of content that you can then chop up and reuse on your distribution platforms in a variety of formats. Real quickly for us, that's we do a video podcast, rip the audio becomes a podcast, videos become LinkedIn posts, conversations from the podcast become text posts and the show notes from the podcast become an article. That's our way of repurposing. Now, not only does it let you have material to post every day when you're doing content repurposing, but the great thing when you start with that pillar piece of content is it actually remains really true to your editorial mission that we've discussed over the last couple of weeks. So everything that you put out there is centered around a theme from your pillar piece of content. So there's a real consistency of message there. And Kev, you were saying just before that people love to be put in certain boxes, right? It helps us remember it just, yeah, it help, it's a way of like helping us remember certain people. How would your friends describe you, Kevin? What box would they put you in? Definitely not the bin leader, but uh, <laughs> maybe a bit of a neat freak. Yeah. Probably fairly quiet for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Meticulous to the point of tediousness. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, for me, I would be put in the box of the germaphobe. That's just like how yes. my friends know me. I'm the germaphobe. Am I really? My hygiene is probably like what I think everyone should be, but that's just how they remember me. I was clean <laughs> before the pandemic made it cool. So that's the box that they put me in. At least they remember me this way. At least I'm remembered and they don't leave me out. That's, that's the most <laughs> important thing, Kevin. <laughs> Front of but mind. That's it. Front of mind. But pulling it back to today's topic, <laughs> if you start with that pillar piece of content, your material is always related to that editorial mission and your 
um, content has a consistency in its messaging. It also gives your audience a variety of ways to consume your helpful content in a way that suits them. You can normally gauge from what your audience currently likes, what your competitors are currently doing to see what sort of mediums and formats they enjoy. Do they like long form articles? Do they like, you know, short LinkedIn posts? Do they like videos? Do they like how to's, tutorials? What do they like? This is a fast way of testing what suits them and gives them an opportunity to consume it in a way that I enjoy. Finally, Kev, quite frankly, it just makes you look a lot bigger than you are as a business. <laughs> right? Yes, like that's yes, why it's definitely a benefit. Yeah, like we have people messaging us being like, you guys are putting out so much content, it's nuts. And I'm like, well, it's literally just Kev and I, and it takes five hours a week. Yeah, one more note for the listeners on the point you just made around a variety of ways of consuming your helpful content, George. Sometimes it's not mutually exclusive. Different members in that same audience might like to consume the same helpful content in a different format. So for example, for me, I don't generally play the videos on LinkedIn or any other social media. I prefer to read the text. Very rarely do I get the opportunity to switch on a video and play the video because generally I'm working in an environment where I can't have the volume on, I might already be listening to music or my partner next to me is on a call. So it's not something that we're saying, you know, you should only have one kind that you narrow down to over time. The whole point of content stacking and the scaling process is that you can produce many different formats and a variety of ways around how to distribute the same helpful content so that your audience, whichever format they prefer, can have access to your helpful content. That's it. It's different strokes for different folks, isn't it? And it's about, yeah, working out which one works best for your audience. And this framework helps you do that. Should we run through the seven-step content repurposing framework, Kev? Yes, let's do it. The important thing to remember with this framework is it's just a tool to help you implement the content repurposing. So you don't need to get overwhelmed by trying to distribute in a bunch of different channels at once or a bunch of different mediums within a channel all at once. So if you go through this framework, if you go through the process, actually built into it shows you how you can just tackle one piece of content repurposing at a time because the biggest reason that we find people either don't get started or quit on their content and it fails is because it becomes overwhelming. They fall behind because they've tried to bite off more than they can chew. Okay, so the first of seven steps is pick what format your longer form pillar content is going to be. For us, Kevin, that's our podcast. We film that with video now. The second step is just pick one platform to distribute that content on. We've chosen LinkedIn. You want to repurpose that video podcast or your pillar form of content into just one medium within that platform. Now, the medium is the way that you deliver the message within that platform. So LinkedIn allows you to do text posts, video posts, photos, polls, all kinds of things. We don't want to start by doing all of those all at once because it takes a little bit of time to get used to each of those formats properly. So you can start by just repurposing into one medium. For us, we take our podcast notes and we turn those into text posts. And we just started there. We didn't start with video. The third step is to then review and make changes to the frequency of your pillar content and the repurposed content as necessary. So we want to see, is the weekly recording of our podcast is that giving us enough material to put out for the week when it's repurposed into text posts for LinkedIn? 
For us, we said, yes, it's giving us plenty, so that was fine. LinkedIn, as a medium, we decided to post there every day, and there was no need to do any more than once a day because we found that LinkedIn actually halves the number of views you get across the number of posts you do in a day. So if we did three text posts in a day, you'd get the same number of views as if you just did one. So we sorted out our frequency that way. The fourth step is to try and make that process as efficient as possible and document it. So for us, Kevin, we put that into a content calendar that we built and we can share that with our listeners in the notes and we divide up who is responsible exactly for what. So you and I determine when we're recording, we put that on our calendar. We say what day that is, what day I'm then going to review the podcast and video, when I'm going to chop it up into LinkedIn posts. And so you schedule it all in advance. The fifth step is once you're comfortable, repurpose that content again into another medium on the same channel that you have chosen. So that's when, Kev, once you and I were really comfortable with the production of the podcast and converting that into text posts on LinkedIn, and we were hitting that regularly, doing that week in, week out without any stress, we said, let's add another medium to it. And we added video. So all that required was for me to work out how we're going to take some snippets of video and then put those on LinkedIn next. Step six is essentially repeating steps three to five until you find the mediums and frequency that get you the most traction and work best for the platform that you've chosen. You're basically trying to figure out, is it text? Is it video? Is it pictures? Which of these formats in what combination work the best? for the channel that we've chosen. In our case, that was LinkedIn. The seventh step is to then eventually move on to the next platform for distribution. So for us, that is going to be TikTok. It could be your blog. It could be another channel entirely. But you don't want to do that until you're really in the groove of steps one to six, because we want to get as much of out of that current platform that we've chosen to distribute our content, being the one that our dream customers are in, before we then... We want to still continue that activity, but go and explore another new opportunity for growth. And in our case, Kev, that's probably going to be TikTok. Now, Kev, just like with the batchy chocolate recipe that I'm cooking, as with any framework method steps, there's always some notes to add to it. And so I think we're going to add a couple of little notes around each of these steps. And the first one is repurposing really works for any format. It doesn't have to be video and audio to begin with, but that format makes things easiest to repurpose. But Kev, you and I didn't start with video first, did we? No, we actually started with trying to write essentially uh, a book around the framework that we talk about the five Bs. And then we started taking those into, I guess, long form articles off the back of each of the main topics or chapters within that book. But as we went through that process, you know, a lot of things changed along the way. So we found that for us, maybe going through a podcast was a more efficient way of getting the message out there, a quicker and more organic interaction as well. And we found that combining that then with the articles was a much more easy way for our intended audience to consume the information we wanted to get out there. I don't know, the book will probably still happen at some, at some point in the B2B 
playbook journey. I mean, it is a playbook at the end of the day. And we did say that we are writing a playbook right at the beginning of the podcast. So it will happen. But as we get feedback, as we improve the, the content that goes into the framework, the framework doesn't really change, but the content that goes around the framework and how we communicate it and we take learnings from this process now with the podcasts and the articles and what we do on LinkedIn and these distribution channels, I'm sure the book will adapt as well over time and eventually we'll put out a much better product on the book front. So as you said, it doesn't have to start with video and audio like we have with the B2B playbook. And in fact, we didn't. You could definitely start with long form articles, a blog with a collection of those long form articles. It could be a white paper or report or industry report on a particular topic um, that's really prevalent within the industry that you're in. And then it's a matter of repurposing those longer form pieces of content down to things like LinkedIn posts or turning some of that information into an infographic, for example. So it's really about picking that pillar piece of content that's most suitable for your purposes and that could adapt over time and then chunking it down that that framework of content repurposing doesn't change what can shift is the pillar piece of content i think another one that's actually quite common in the b2b space is a webinar or a virtual summit a a lot of b2b businesses they're industry leading experts um, or they have industry leading experts within their business who can hold webinars on particularly important topics or issues confronting the industry. And that is a a great way to start a pillar piece of content, which you can then chop up again into smaller bite-sized videos. You can turn some of the salient points into LinkedIn posts, and you can even turn smaller snippets of that into LinkedIn posts themselves, or even a YouTube channel with those topics from the webinar. So in effect, what the movie industry has been doing for decades where they bring out trailers, which is basically snippets of the longer piece of content, the movie itself, and there's you know, longer form teaser trailers, there's shorter form teaser trailers, some uh, uh, 10 minute previews within an interview context or you know a film festival so that's a similar idea of what we're going for here is you bring one pillar piece of content and you can repurpose it however you like and it just that the form that pillar piece of content takes can shift on top of that kev i think it's also important for our listeners to realize that as we mentioned before in order for this to be workable you just got to take it one step at a time You and I, once we came up with the real framework for the B2B playbook and we decided that we should actually turn this into a podcast, we literally just focused on that content creation process of the podcast straight up. That's what we did. We didn't even actually focus on distribution, I think, until about like properly, until about maybe 10, 10 episodes in, I think. We only got really big on distribution about five or six episodes ago. But we had that process down and that enabled us to go, okay, we're comfortable with this. Now let's make sure that we put just as much effort into the distribution as we do as the content creation process. And I think our listeners are going to have to grapple with that content creation process themselves. Otherwise, you're just kind of going to be end up chasing your tail, chasing people all the time, and it's going to take over your whole job. And we know you can't afford to do that. Yeah, I think that leads nicely onto, you know, the second note that we wanted to make was around step three, which is reviewing and making changes to the frequency of your pillar content and repurposed content as necessary. 
So as George just said there, as you start to create content, particularly your pillar piece of content and your first set of repurposed content, you're gonna hit some speed bumps along the way in most cases where maybe the pace that you originally set was a bit too quick or a bit too slow. Maybe you're learning how to either produce a podcast or improve your writing or improve how your text posts come together on LinkedIn or even figure out how frequently you can get the experts you want onto a podcast or to give you quotes and get the team who are producing the content together and working in a smooth and efficient manner. So the note here is that you do need to figure out as part of that process, how often to create your pillar content. So for us, we do it weekly for the podcast. This is because that keeps the content very fresh and relevant and and also gives us a nice limitation so that we have to chunk down our bigger framework into digestible pieces every week. For us, we would recommend you should probably be doing a pillar piece of content at least once a month to get enough fuel out of it to carry through the month. It might be a struggle otherwise to get enough content from a pillar piece of content with the exception of maybe you know a 100 page industry report that you can chunk down a lot over, over the space of the month or even a few months. But really it does come down to playing around with your particular audience, doing that testing with your particular flow of content creation and figuring out what that right balance is for you because every avenue for having a conversation online comes with different expectations and you might need to do more or less pillar content in order to get the volume of final content you need. Kev, I want to add one more really important footnote to step four, which is really just reiterating that step, which is making that process as efficient as possible first in repurposing before you move on to a new medium or a new channel. Something you've actually taught me very well, Kevin, (laughs) as someone who is relatively more fast and loose of the two of us. (laughs) <laughs> Although other people I meet think it's ridiculous that I would be considered fast and loose. But of the two of us, I'm more fast and loose. And you've always taught me the importance of putting something into a system and a process. And if you, if you do that, it's going to be faster. And if you need to outsource it or if you need someone else to help you, you can actually do that. When we decided that we wanted to add video as another medium on LinkedIn, the first thing that we did was we created a process around it. So we started recording our podcasts, which we used to just be audio first, in a audio video program called Riverside First. And from there, it was really easy to chop up just five, six, seven clips that I could then throw into a Canva template, which I had created, which has like a really easy way of adding the text you know, already had our B2B logo on it. It was super easy to just drop in. And then from there, I wanted subtitles. We're too cheap to pay (laughs) the premium subscription on Riverside. So we upload them to YouTube Creator Studio and then we get free subtitles from there too. And then that's our process. And we've documented that. That's in our content calendar that you and I have that we detail step-by-step who is doing what, when. So if we needed to bring someone on, if we wanted to outsource parts of that, We can do that really easily and it saves us so much time. Kev, I'll mention it again, that content calendar, we're going to link in the show notes. I think it's just such a great way of keeping track of who needs to do what, when, and our listeners can grab that. That's a very important tool for helping that scaling process with your content repurposing. 
And Kev, there's no way that as you scale this, that you're going to be able to repurpose this content into LinkedIn, into email, if that's another channel that you're going to use a lot, you know, into YouTube tutorials, if that's what you want to do, into long form articles. There's no way you're going to be doing all of that. That That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. So that's why I really encourage people to check out this content scheduler or get something themselves to document this process so it can be outsourced and scaled. All right, George, one last note before we wrap up the episode. It is important to point out that as you scale your content with this content stacking or content repurposing principle, your engagement with your network is going to scale with that as well. The feedback that you get will increase as you get more content out there that is relevant, that is helpful. And it's important to do something with that feedback. And it's important to engage with your network who are starting to engage with you. You don't want to just throw content out into a vacuum and leave it there and hope that it will do its thing. You do need to re-engage, use that feedback to improve your content. And that's really the topic for next week as we dive into how to build a feedback loop off the back of your content stack so that you can start to improve your content. And we'll get more into the weeds of that next week. That's the secret sauce is, is actually listening, engaging and listening and then using people's feedback to improve your content. Kev, you're terrific at summarizing. What were the key takeaways for you today? Well, George, health content, as we know, is crucial to B2B marketing and building relationships since it builds trust and authority. This we've talked about over the last couple of episodes. For us in this episode, what we really covered is that to help you produce that content, that helpful content at a frequency and consistency that you need, you should be using our framework for doing content repurposing or content stacking. That involves starting with a longer piece of content that can be chopped up and reformatted to other pieces of content or other pieces of content formats. And make sure to use a content planner, whether that's the one that we'll link in the show notes or something that you've come across before that you're used to using to write down who's doing what and when. Consistency is everything, so make sure you stick to it. Awesome, Kev. I think we can put that seven-step framework, just the bones of it, in our show notes too for our listeners to go in and copy-paste to wherever it is that they want to. As always, you can find links to everything we discussed in the show notes. And as Kev said, next week, we're going to discuss how you can build a feedback loop to improve your content. We're both really grateful that more and more people are tuning in each week, each Monday. And if we can ask just one thing, it's please leave us a short review on whatever platform it is that you listen on. It's a huge help to us and we'd really, really appreciate it. Also, feel free to slide in my DMs on LinkedIn and let you know what you think about the show. That would be awesome. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Kev. Thanks, George. And thank you, listeners. See you all next week. And happy, happy Valentine's Day. See you next week. <laughs> A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.